Round Guy Radio is now on Patreon, and we have merchandise. And if you sign up for one of our Patreon uh, supporters, we'll, we you can get a, uh, a coffee cup now or a, a T-shirt or uh, even a sticker, depending on where you get in on that. But uh, uh, Round Guy Radio is on Patreon, and we do have our merch store up and running as of today. Welcome back to Round Guy Radio. There was one guest that we had uh, at the Iowa Cubs game that the audio wasn't quite good enough, but he was gracious enough to give us a second chance. Uh, we're talking to our old friend, Major League Baseball player, Jimmy Driscoll. Welcome back to the program, Jimmy. Yeah, thanks, Dave. Uh, it was too bad we uh, we had a little bit of glitch in the, uh, the original broadcast, but uh, I've never seen a microphone that I didn't like, so uh, we're, I'm back. <laughs> well, um, so we were we we talked to him over the phone uh, while we were at the Iowa Cubs game, and uh, you played for the Iowa Oaks uh, for a few years. Uh, share some of your memories of the, your time there at the uh, playing for the Iowa Oaks. Okay, sure. Uh, uh, first of all, um, the Iowa there were the, the Des Moines, the city of Des Moines had a had a minor league team for years and years, and then uh, for a while, I'm not sure the exact dates, but they didn't have baseball for a while, and then in 1969, uh, the Oakland A's uh, AAA club, which was the previous year in Vancouver, British Columbia, in the Pacific Coast League, they relocated to Des Moines. Uh, into the American Association, which was also AAA. And uh, so I, I played in Vancouver the year before. And then so the next year when they switched into Des Moines, I was on that uh, very first team that went back into Des Moines. And quite an experience. We were welcomed with open arms. It, it seemed like um, the the people from Iowa were starving for a good baseball, you know, to, that they could go out and bring their kids to. And Sec Taylor Stadium was um, was the place where we went. And uh, it was quite an experience. And this was the A's AAA ball club. And let me just read off a few names. I did a little homework uh, on uh, who was there. Uh, not that I didn't remember them, but just to jog my memory. Listen to some of these names that played in Des Moines during the, the time I was there. First of all, Joe Rudy for the Oakland A's, uh, World Series hero for the A's. Tony La Russa, second baseman, went on to, he's in the Hall of Fame now as a manager from the White Sox. Vita Blue, Rookie of the Year and MVP in the Major Leagues. Gene Tennis, a catcher who was just inducted into the Oakland A's Hall of Fame uh, two days ago. And the recent, uh, okay, Don Stanhouse, who went on to have a tremendous career in Baltimore as a relief pitcher. Uh, George Hendrick, another player that went out to the big leagues. Mudcat Grant, famous name. Phil Garner, who went on to have a great career and then as a manager of the Pirates. Um, Angel Manguel, uh, Unfortunately, he just passed away a couple of months ago down in Puerto Rico. He was a main cog up there. Renee Latchman's another one who went on to uh, manage in the major league. So uh, uh, quite a group of guys went through there and all working their way up. And Jimmy Driscoll was on that club, too. Yeah. I remember him. 
he was a little shortstop second baseman. And uh, but to tell you the truth, it was it was quite an experience, and uh, I loved every minute of it. To tell you the truth. Well, Des Moines is really a baseball town, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. They were they they packed the place when we first came there in 1969. Uh, they were they were chomping at the bit for good baseball, and they came out. They supported us. We we averaged uh, 2,500 fans a night. Uh, back in those days, that was a that was a packed house. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, uh, and uh, I know they've renovated it, Sec Taylor now to, and they call it Sec Taylor with the something else, whatever the other name is. It's but, a principal park, but the field is called Sec Taylor Field. Okay, so they kept the Sec Taylor part. But anyway, uh, I know they've renovated the place and sunk big dough into it, and they're still getting good crowds, you know, and with the Cubs now, of course. Uh, but uh, the fans keep coming out. Win, lose, or draw, they show up, you know. They're not fair-weather fans out there. You know, just like the Cubs in Chicago. For years, they were also rans, but the place was packed every afternoon because the people, they love baseball, and they get it, you know. Well, so, let me ask you this, Jimmy. How many fewer teams were in the major leagues when you were in AAA? Let's see. There's been Seattle came into the to to the leagues. They were the Seattle Pilots mm-hmm. originally, and that's where um, the famous book by uh, by um, what's his name there, the pitch Bouton. Yeah, Ball Four or something like that. Ball Four. That's where that book uh, came out of uh, that year, and he was lurking around and writing down stuff that he that he. Basically, it was exposing players to stuff that, you know, to make a buck for himself. He, yeah, he's he, a little bit he, of a rat, I think. Yeah, he's already, he, he was ratting on his fellow teammates, you know. Uh, not that, you know, you sanction what people were doing off the field, but, you know, it was uh, a lot of, he wrecked a lot of guys' lives just with that book to make a make a buck. So, but anyway, uh and there was, of course, expansion after that. So, so I don't know the exact number of teams that were in the big leagues. Uh, but it was, it was a less, lot. I less. mean, maybe 10 less, you know. Uh, I know the, the Royals and the, the Seattle Pilots started that 69, I think. And then the next year, the, the Pilots were the Milwaukee Brewers. That's right. And then I think Miami got a franchise. And I don't know. And if Colorado Toronto. got a franchise. And... Uh, yeah, Toronto uh, later on wound up with the Mets and the and the Expos and the you know all sure. my point is you know AAA there was a lot better players there then I mean it was just kind of like a right on the you know probably guys a lot of guys that should have been in the major league roster exactly and but it all and as well uh, Dave they had uh, guys that were had major league experience that maybe needed a little more seasoning so they sent them back to AAA. Uh, so there was a combination of ex-major leaguers there and young prospects, and the combination uh, uh, was uh, it was good. It was a learning experience, and and uh, it was good brand of ball. I mean, you saw good baseball there, you know. Well, let me ask you this: Was well, something I kind of always wished would have happened? It seemed like it was very possible, and I don't I'm, I want to know how possible it was, but uh, seems like Reggie Jackson went from Double A to the majors, and he didn't play in Triple A, and he didn't didn't play for Des Moines, but it seemed like he was right, right. Uh, seemed like it would have been a real possibility that he could have played there. 
Oh, absolutely. I mean, he, uh, he was good enough that he didn't need to play there. That's the, that's why he didn't, he didn't need to. Cause when, once he hit double a and, and uh, get a few seasons under his belt at the professional level, uh, they could see that this guy was ready and they brought him up and the rest is history, you know? But, uh, yeah, he was slated for Des Moines, but, uh, they made the decision that, uh, no, we're going to give this guy a shot right now. And they're doing that more and more in present day too. They're bringing guys up from double a at the drop of a hat, you know? Well, I think double so, a now is where the top prospects are. And exactly. Yeah, exactly. And, um, Look at all those young players, young big league prospects that are getting the big money now. Look at the kid Tatis and for San Diego and the how he let his teammates down by by uh, testing positive for a performance enhancing drug. You know, uh, right when they needed it most. And the other guy Soto, they signed for another. But the money floating around is just ridiculous. I mean, I mean, it, it's the going rate, so the players are going to get everything they can. But uh, yeah, most of the good players now, the pro, most of the prospects are at the double A level. Did Not you get? To, the, did you get to play with Reggie in the minors at all? Just a little bit uh, in um, in uh, Birmingham when he came to Birmingham, right out of Arizona State. Uh, so I played with a little bit, but. Uh, Got to know him pretty well when I was called up to the big leagues with the A's uh, uh, and got to know Reggie pretty well. I mean, you know, you when you hang, when you're with individuals every day for four or five, six months home and away, you know, you get to know people, you know. Well, uh, you started out with the Kansas City A's and uh, you didn't get, uh, how close to getting called up to the Kansas City A's were you? Not so close because here's how I wound up there, Dave. I, I signed originally with the Milwaukee Braves. Milwaukee. They were the Boston Braves, moved to Milwaukee, became the Milwaukee Braves, and then they moved from Milwaukee to now they're the Atlanta Braves. But when I signed that with the Braves, they were in Milwaukee. So I signed with the Braves, and then they sent me to um, Dublin, Georgia, for the rookie league a couple of months. I did pretty well there right out of high school. Then they invited me down to the instructional league down in Florida. And then in the middle of the instructional league, they had the winter draft and, uh, the A's Kansas city A's had me on the triple a roster, uh, not protected on the big league roster. So, um, no, yeah, the the Braves didn't have me on the the big league roster, but they had me on Triple A, so that made me eligible to be drafted. But I, I would have to be drafted onto a big league club, which I was, and the big league club was the Kansas City A's. So I was only with Milwaukee for oh five or six months, and the next thing you know, I'm drafted by the Kansas City A's. I went to spring training with them. Uh, but never really had a shot. I was only 18, 19 years old. Uh, and, um, that was before. And then the, the whole, uh, colored uniforms came in, uh, with Finley, Charles O. Finley, a real in innovator. He didn't know much about baseball, but he knew about promotion and he knew he had 
baseball people surrounding him, good baseball minds. That's why Finley was successful. He had people that in the in the trenches that knew what they were doing with baseball. I heard and, he used to uh, bribe other other team scouts. Say that again. I heard he used to bribe other team scouts. Uh, I don't know if for, for that's for a fact, but uh, I wouldn't put it past him. Well, I mean, he would get good tips or good advice if he was looking into players or something. He would slip uh, one of the other team scouts a little money, and then they would give him some. Uh, yeah, but he had his but he had his own scouts as well. So what he was doing was just buying uh, confirmation for for his own team but he, he had a good a good scouting staff so they knew and that's when they were signing all those great players blue moon odom vita blue sal bando rick mundy dredgy uh you know uh gene tennis campy yeah These they, guys he they the, they produced major leaguers like no other organization uh and they they wheeled and dealed them around and but uh yeah. Uh, well, let's talk about the time you did get called up to the major leagues. I'm playing We're, in Des Moines. This is a story. This is a great story. Um, at least I think it is anyway, and I'd love to tell it. Uh, I'm playing in Des Moines, and my brother Mark uh, was attending the University of Arizona in Tucson, and he was also a member of their baseball team, second baseman, pretty good player himself. Uh and, and the Arizona Wildcats, they won some kind of a tournament to make them eligible to play in the College World Series in Omaha, Nebraska, which was 90 miles west of Des Moines. So now, with that in mind, four of my other brothers, I'm one of nine, I have eight brothers and sisters, <laughs> but four of my other brothers flew to Des Moines, uh, to Omaha to see my brother Mark play in the College World Series. So they're in Omaha. I'm in Des Moines. And the University of Arizona team, they lost their first two games, which eliminated them from the College World Series. So now my brother Mark, who was the second baseman, he had to fly with the team back to Arizona. But my other four brothers rented a car and drove to Des Moines. To see me play. Well, the night they got there, uh, I hit a. I was in. It was the eighth inning or ninth inning. It was close to the end. I wrapped a double off the wall to drive in the go-ahead run, which turned out to be the winning run of the game. So we went out after the game and had a bite to eat. We had a couple of uh, adult cocktails, and uh, then we all went back to my apartment. Uh, and it was like wall-to-wall mattresses, you know, find a spot and get comfortable. So now the next morning comes, the very next morning, the phone rings around 7 o'clock, and I answer the phone, and there's this guy on the phone saying he was Herb Herbie Hancock from the Des Moines Register, and he wanted to do a story on me for my heroics on the night before. He wanted to do a story for the afternoon paper. Well, anyway, I recognized the voice as not Herbie Hancock, but Charles Old Finley. And I said, Charlie, I know it's you. He got the biggest kick out of the fact that I recognized his voice. I had met him before down at spring training and such, you know. 
So anyway, here's what he said to me. How'd you like to be wearing a pair of white cleats tonight? Well, the Oakland A's had the white cleats, as you remember. He said, I said, I'm ready to go. He says, okay, be in Detroit tonight for the game. So now with that information, I hang up the phone and I go downstairs in my apartment to wake up my brothers to tell them I'm going to the major leagues. I've been called up to the big leagues. They looked at me and said, you're dreaming, go back to bed. <laughs> so I said, no, I'm serious. So I called my fa our father back in Boston to let him know that, yes, indeed, I, I, I was got called up to the major leagues for the first time. So anyway, now they believe me. And we all packed up. And that afternoon at 3 o'clock, we all jumped on a plane in Des Moines and flew right to Detroit and got to the ballpark. And there's my, in the clubhouse, I, first thing I spotted was my major league uniform with my name on my back, on the back of the shirt, uh, Driscoll, number 21. And uh, I didn't get into the game that night. Uh, or did I? I don't remember. But then my very first time at bat was in Detroit. And John McNamara was the manager, and, he, and it was around the sixth inning. He said, Jimmy, you're, you're pinch hitting. Uh, you'll be the second hitter up this inning. I said, okay. So, meanwhile, I walk up to the first guy, hits a double. So, now I'm pitch hitting with the tying run on second base. But before I even got up to the batter's box, I was on deck. I was so nervous. I couldn't bend over. My first major league at bat, just picture this. I was so nervous, I couldn't bend over to pick up the rosin bag. You know, the adrenaline was going, you know. So, meanwhile, Bill Freehand, the catcher of the Tigers was looking over saying, who's this guy coming up? We don't know him. He looks new. So they went out to the mound, had a meeting. Mayo Smith was the manager. Uh, Tom Timmerman was the pitcher, big right-hander, six foot five or six, you know, and free and freehand. They got together in the mound trying to see if anybody knew me, where to pitch me. And then they broke up, the umpire broke up the, the, the meeting. And meanwhile, now I'm stepping, stepping into the box in Detroit and the first pitch Timmerman throws me was about letter high. And I took a mighty swing and, and hit a, a bomb high up into the upper deck in Detroit with home run written all over it. And it hooked foul right at the end. It took a, a quick a hook to the foul. So in my own mind, uh, I hit a home run my first time at, the first pitch I saw in the big, although it hooked foul, I hit it out of the park long enough for a homer, and then uh, wound up uh, actually flying out to left center uh, for for an out. So uh, that was my first major league major league at bat with my brothers at the park watching. You know, so it was quite a moment. Well, a didn't moment. you weren't you uh, interviewed by Harry Carey? Uh, that one, that was the one year he was the the, the manager. Didn't have you on the pregame show? Or? He was he was the he was the play-by-play uh, -play play guy. He only was there for a year, Harry, as it turned out. Uh, and when we went back to Oakland, I joined the club on the road in Detroit. We played in Detroit. I think that then we went to uh, Chicago to play at uh, the old Comiskey Park, 
And that's where I got my first base hit. I got it off a of Joel Hool and a base hit to right field. And anyway, and then when we returned to Oakland, Harry Carey had me on the pregame show for the first game of the homestand and uh, interviewed me, uh, you know, being my first time at, at Oakland playing with the big leagues, you know. So, yeah, Harry Carey. What, what was it like talking to him? Well, it was good. It was, uh, I, <laughs> I think he called me Tony at one time. <laughs> <laughs> He might have been half in the bag. I don't know, <laughs> but I think I think I remember him calling me Tony for some reason. You know, so he might have been just going through the motions. Now he might have had a few Budweisers into it too. That that that's what I'm saying. You know, <laughs> <laughs> he was usually half in the bag by the pregame show. I think. Yeah, but, uh, uh, he was. Uh, he was. He was. Um, quite a guy. I don't. Did he make? Is he in the Hall of Fame as the broadcasters? Uh, Oh yeah, 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 for sure, for certain. Yeah, yeah. They got they got that, statues of him. <laughs> they got uh, at Wrigley Field. I think they got his huge glasses and stuff in there. It's a uh, he's an icon. I mean, here in the Midwest, uh, there's not no one bigger or more entertaining oh. or or more boisterous than Harry Carey. Oh but, yeah. Well, who were some of the players on that team? You know that you were maybe close to, or maybe was some of the first people that, that you knew really well that greeted you when you made it to the major? Well, uh, right off the top of my head, Vita Blue. We became good friends when we were playing in Des Moines. And uh, matter of fact, I, I roomed with Vita Blue uh, on a couple of road trips there at the end of the season uh, in Oakland. So, And I still call him. I call him once a month. He lives down in Monroe, Louisiana. And oh. we've, continu we've uh, continued to be friends over the years. We'll call him just to say hello, check in, a happy birthday or a Merry Christmas or something like that, you know. And well, he's always glad He's always glad to hear from me. Yeah. And uh, he'll throw me a text every once in a while to see how everything's going. So it's um, so white or blue, first of all. Then uh, I came friends with Reggie. And uh, Sal Bando, I played with him at Double A down in um, uh, Mobile, Alabama. That was the Southern League. Uh, and uh, he was Renee Latchman was there, Larusa. So I knew a lot of these guys just from playing with them in the minors, and they got to the big leagues just be, you know before I did. So when I did join them, I knew them pretty most a lot of them pretty well. You know, there were some guys there that I didn't really know that well, but I mean they became teammates. You know. Well, next time you talk to Vida Blue, you tell him he is. Probably Iowa's favorite baseball player, and that's all anybody ever talked about was Vida Blue when I was growing up, and how oh Vida Blue was just like you. He played Burlington, he played in Des Moines, uh, you know. He was he's really really beloved. Uh, we they introduced him into the Burlington Bees Hall of Fame, uh, and he came back for that. And uh, uh, I, I, I'm a huge admirer of his, but. Uh, well, uh, you know what I'm going to do? With that in mind, what I'm going to try and do, uh, I don't know if I can pull it off, but I'm going to I'm going to make a good effort. I'm going to try and line up white or blue uh, for an interview for with you and Steve. Oh, Steve would just. Oh. Yeah, I'll yeah. try and line. I'll I'll do that. I'll call. I can't, as I said, I can't guarantee anything, but uh, you know, I called Shorty Long and he he delivered for me. He delivered and, for us uh, too. <laughs> Imagine that shorty long. <laughs> See, now I don't know about on the East Coast, 
But in the Midwest, a name like Shorty Long, that's that's as good as it gets. You know what I mean? That, uh, for for the Midwest, that is a that is a, a tremendous. All oh, he said he said in the majors they called call on the uh, professional they usually called him Bingo Bob. Yeah. Anyway, uh, he uh, so I'll 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 work on that. I as I said, I can't guarantee it, but I'm going to work on it because that would be uh, lighter blue on the the round guy of baseball, you know, and you. Oh you my know? God, that'd be so. I mean, and, well, my listeners would be ecstatic. And then I'll yeah. tell you what, there, there wouldn't, if he wants to, to, to talk memories about Iowa, there's no better place to do it than right here. Well, that's it. You know, you guys are local and you're uh, statewide, you know? Well, so you're, you, you, you played with everybody that wins three world series champions in a row. Uh, but uh, as, as things went, you were traded uh, well to the Washington senators. And then uh, before, uh, I don't know. There was a, some negotiation or something, but then uh, eventually they became the Texas Rangers before the season started. Can you just tell us about how that happened? And, and, and I'd like to hear a little bit about that first season of the Texas Rangers ever. Sure. The, um, I was traded, uh, traded to the Washington senators. I forget who was, I forget who was, uh, who was involved in the trade, but we can, we, we can track that information down, but I was traded to the Washington centers and that winter, they, they left Washington, uh, and moved to Texas to become the Texas Rangers. So I was on the very first Texas Ranger team. Now the, I'll give you a, a story leading up to a story. My Growing up in Boston, my father was an usher at Fenway Park for the Sox play, Red Sox. And in 1948, I was four years old, and I was at Fenway with my brother Joe. He was five, and we both had little Red Sox uniforms on. And my father, uh, the ushers in the ground crew are the first employees at the park to get in. So they're in place before the fans even get there. So we're in the park with my father and we're up his his section was the box seats down by the uh, on deck circle for the red Sox. that's where my father's section was to usher and ted was walking by ted williams was walking by and my father called him and said would you would you mind taking a couple a quick picture here with my two boys so ted stopped put his arms around right on the sitting on the on the on the uh on the railing between the the, the seats in the field we're sitting on the railing and ted comes over and puts his arms around us and my father takes the picture okay color picture 1948 now here's the story fast forward 25 years later i get traded to the texas rangers and who's the manager of the texas rangers ted williams so now my father sends that original picture of me and Ted in 1948 down to me in Texas. I waltzed in a Ted's office and I said, Ted, will you sign this for me? He said, who is that? I said, that's me. Oh, he got the biggest kick out of it. He called the press and they came out and they took another picture of Ted and I together as Rangers and ran both of the pictures back to back in the paper with the headline. Driscoll Williams reunited after 25 years. 
and that's the story. That's a, and I've got the pictures. I got the I got the uh, the article uh, with the both pictures in. Uh, you know, I got. Well, Jimmy, what what was the what was the atmosphere like in, in Dallas for the Rangers' first season? I mean, what what was the community like? Uh, 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 was there quite a buzz about getting a major league team? Oh, absolutely. I mean, they were. Uh, there was. I mean, I was talking earlier in the on the uh, on the show here about how enthusiastic the fans were in Des Moines when they got baseball back. Well, the the folks from Texas, they've had. They had double A and triple A ball down around that area for many, many years. And meanwhile, the next thing you know, they're in the major leagues and the fans came out. Matter of fact, opening night, they introduced all the players and uh, gave us all 10 gallon hats. The old, you know, the Texas 10 gallon hats were all lined up and they gave Ted Williams a pair of cowboy boots, uh, uh, you know, Texas handmade cowboy boots, but the boots had baseball spikes on them. <laughs> <laughs> and they gave, they presented those to Ted uh, and they, we were all lined up on the foul line, you know, as we're all introduced. So, <clears throat> but it was, um, yeah, they packed the place. And I, I lived in a town called Euless, Euless, Texas. The, the actual stadium was in Arlington, Texas, which is a suburb of, of Dallas. I mean, they go, you know, one border borders the other city. So it's pretty close. It's Arlington, Texas. Uh, anyway, I lived in a town called Euless. And when I was there, it was, the town was so small, they had the entering and leaving on the same sign. Yeah. Unfamiliar. Uh, so it was, it was just getting off the ground. Now it's a thriving metropolis from what I hear from, cause I still have friends down in Dallas area and said Euless has really exploded into a, a, you know, a big time community. But when we were there early, you know, originally it was just a small little uh, whistle stop, you know, but it was quite an experience. Yeah. They packed the place. They packed it, you know? Well, who were some of your teammates there that we might remember? Well, they had, uh, first of all, they had, um, Jeff Burrows, who was the turned out to be the MVP, the, the one of the first year, first couple of seasons after we get down there. Jeff Burrows. They had Toby Harrow was the shortstop. They had uh, Lenny Randall. Uh, they had uh, Dick Billings at first base. They had uh, let's see. Uh, Jimmy Driscoll was on that team, a pretty good player. Tommy Grieve, uh, let's see, who else? Hal King was there. Uh, in pitchers, they had Dick Bosman that had a pretty good career. They had um, Casey Cox. Oh, I, I'm, I'm forgetting the the first name that I should have mentioned. On that team was Big Frank Hondo Howard. Big Hondo. And, um, and some of the coaches, they had a couple of, uh, Nellie Fox was the first base coach, Holy cow. Famous, famous, famous player for the, uh, for the White Sox back in the day. Uh, and, uh, let's see, it was uh, Wayne Terwilliger was the third base coach. He had a pretty good big, big league career as well. He just died recently. He was 90, I think. Uh, plus Ted was the manager of course. And, uh, so it was quite an experience and I made the, went down to spring training and had a good spring. And I made the team legitimate. Ted kind of took a shine to me 
also uh, for the fact that I was from Boston, his old stomping grounds, and I was a left-handed hitter like him. So he kind of, not that that influenced him, me making the team. I made the team legitimately because I had an excellent spring training, you know. Uh, but, uh, yeah, quite an experience, I'll tell you. Yeah, it, it, it must have been, you know, really something, you know, you, you, you kind of, you, you were involved with this Oakland A's team that would win three uh, World Series in a row, and I don't think anyone's done that since. Uh, so then you go over and you're in kind of this historic uh, uh, first season with the Rangers, and then but you were kind of involved in a, a, a historic play. I think you were on the field uh, when the most interesting man in the world, according to Time Magazine, Lenny Randall, uh, was a bunt down the third baseline, and he wanted it to go foul, and he just laid down beside it and blew it over, uh, blew it foul. And they and they and they ruled that ball fair because the breath came from him, which meant that he touched the ball when it was in fair territory. So what was Lenny Randall right like? He was he, he, pretty good fellow. He was you know full of uh, you know vim and vigor. You know he was always had a smile on his face and he was happy to be there. And he was a pretty good little player to, to boot. You know. But he was always uh, always had a smile on his face. He's turned himself. He's over in Italy now, uh, uh, doing the whole professional baseball thing over there. I mean, uh, they've got professional baseball at their at their at their level. But Lenny's been almost instrumental the last twenty years over there, putting uh, th- that league together. So, uh, and I'm still in touch with him on, uh, it's a friend of mine on Facebook and I'll clock in with him every once in a while. Hi, how you doing? You know, <laughs> but well, yeah. So anyway, tra- so after, after this, uh, uh, after you become the, the first Texas Ranger, then you wind up, uh, with another team that becomes a, a world, a two-time world series champion, uh, the Cincinnati Reds. And you fill you get to uh, to fill in for Joe Morgan. I mean, they got traded to the Reds, and uh, no, I was I got traded to the Reds, but I was I, they sent me to AAA. So I'm in AAA uh, in Indianapolis American Association. Listen to this club: Ray Knight at third, Dougie Flynn at short. I played second. Dan Driesen in for, at first, George Foster in left, Cesar Geronimo in center, Ken Griffey Sr. in uh, in right. We had Joaquin Andujar. We had Will McEnany. We had uh, Raleigh Eastwick. We had Joel Youngblood. We had a bunch of guys that went on to, yeah. to be cogs in that big red machine. You guys could have won the World Series this year. Exactly. So, meanwhile, I had a good year in in AAA, and they invited me to spring training uh, with the Reds in Tampa. So, they invited me as a non-roster player. I I wasn't on the big league roster, but they invited me to spring training with, you know, an outside opportunity to, to make the club. So, my first day in spring training, Sparky Anderson, the manager called me into his office and said that uh, I was going to be in there playing every day for a while because they were at second base because they were giving Joe Morgan permission 
to be a little bit late for spring training because he was finishing up school, up uh, some schooling up in the Oakland area where he was from. So I'm in there. I'm, I'm playing second base. Here's the lineup. Bench behind the plate. Rose at third. Concepcion at short. Tony Perez at first. Pee Wee Driscoll at second. Uh, let's see. Uh, George Foster and left. Geronimo and Ken Griffey Sr. And Pee Wee Driscoll's at second. But meanwhile, they couldn't get me out, Dave. I was hitting 488 after the first 13 days of spring training with a couple of home runs to boot. They couldn't get me out. I was, I was, a, a, you know. So now Joe Morgan comes back, and of course, you know he was, you know he was great already. You know, I wasn't going to knock any of those starting guys out. The line. half of them wound up in the Hall of Fame. Anyway, um, as it turned out, I'm in hit my whole career flashed in front of me on, on this particular play. I'm playing second base. We're in spring training and a pop-up goes up behind me into short right field. A high pop-up, high enough so I could backpedal and the, the drill is you backpedal and if you get under it, uh, you position yourself to make the catch until or if the outfielder coming in doesn't call you off now he's got a better shot at it because he's coming in for it than you do by going back for it so i'm i was camped under it and i didn't hear griffey say i got it i got it so as the ball hit my glove griffey senior runs into me and we both go down i made the catch the batter's out i still hold the ball in my glove so we're both on the ground and on the ground, I'm looking over, and out of the dugout, here comes Sparky, Alex Grammas, the third base coach, the trainer, and they run out towards us, and they jump right over me to get the Griffey. As they're jumping over me, my whole career flashed in front of me, saying, this is... They didn't even stop for me. They went right to Griffey, because he was the, the darling. He was the young kid that they were counting on you know but anyway uh and the, i got pictures of somebody took some pictures of that particular play be camped under the ball with and then griffey running into me and then both of us on the ground they didn't have the pictures of the coaches jumping over me to get to griffey but uh and i wound up uh a week later sparky called me and said we got you know we we get we just got too many left hand hitters. We're gonna, we're making a trade to get a, a right handed utility infield, and I think they traded for uh, some guy named Ray Euler, who had a pretty good career in the big leagues as a glove man. He wasn't a very good hitter, but he was a right handed hitter, and that was the excuse they gave me that they were sending me down. I got sent back down to um, Indianapolis, and um, so that was my last dabble with the with the big league club and um, a couple of years later i wound up uh becoming a player coach with the reds up in double a and, and three rivers in quebec got released from there and then called ray johnson <clears throat> who still owned the the um the ball club in des moines they were with houston at this point 
I called Ray Johnson. He said, yep, come on down. And he signed me and I played there oh, the last two months or two and a half months with Houston organization. <clears throat> and that was it. And that winter I, I decided that, uh, that was it. I had, you know, my chances of getting back to the big leagues were, were looked pretty slim. So I made a decision. I played a good solid 14 years of pro ball though. And, and had a pretty good run. Wound up having about a two, two eighty-five. Uh, no, not wasn't two eighty-five. It was around two seventy lifetime average uh, for all those years and times at bat. And and uh, I can look back on it now and say that uh, I gave it my best shot. I had fun, and they were paying me for playing a kid's game, and it was a, a, just a terrific experience, you know. And you 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 haven't run out of stories yet. But uh, I, 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 I want to ask you a few players. Uh, do you have a good Pete Rose story? Well, it has to do with gambling, actually. <laughs> We're in spring training, and spring training is uh, right around the uh, March Madness, the basketball, college basketball tournament, the March Madness. You're probably familiar with that. And anyway, uh, I can remember Pete Rose coming in the – in the spring training, uh, you know, the night after a bunch of games were played and, and he had, um, he had, uh, he was mentioning the teams that he had bet on that had won. Oh, I had Villanova last night. I had Wake Forest. I had UCLA, you know, proud of himself for betting on these teams and winning. So he was gambling a lot before, lot sooner than a lot of people thought you know that was his that was i read a book one time somebody wrote that his his parents uh they for a day off and an outing they used to they used to go to the racetrack when pete rose was five and six seven years old and grew up around gambling all his life you know i don't know if that would set him off but uh but pete rose yeah he uh that was the one story I'll never forget. He, he kept being proud of himself for betting on the right teams the night before, you know? Well, what about Johnny bench? Did you have any, any, uh, uh memories of Johnny bench? Not too many. As I said, uh, uh, although somebody said that, uh, I don't know how the story, I won't even, I won't even tell. It's not that major of a story anyway, but I just got to know those guys a little bit, you know? Uh, because I wasn't with them, you know, I was with them for spring training. And <clears throat> so my few experiences were, you know, with the guys that I had known in AAA, you know, like the Young Bloods and McEnany and Raleigh Eastwick and those, those Dougie Flynn, Daryl Chaney, another guy, Bill Plummer. Those were the guys that, are, that I knew because I'd played within the minors. But <clears throat> the other guys were very nice to me, you know, uh, Joe Morgan, when he came in, Pete was, was, uh, you know, always had a glad hand for you. Uh, Tony Perez and other guys always rooting for you, you know? So, uh, it was a, it was a good experience, you know, but just to be in that lineup, I mean, I named that starting nine that went on to be the big red machine, you know? Yeah. I mean, I was just thinking about it and you were part of organizations 
that won five of the World Series is in the 1970s. And um, so which, which goes to prove that I was good enough to be there with a outside chance of making the, you know, the, the roster, but uh, was good enough to, uh, to be amongst those guys. Uh, and, and wasn't lucky. It was because I was pretty good to begin with, you know. Well, could you tell me a little uh, Joe Rudy and Sal Bando stories? Sal Bando is my roommate in in uh, in Double A down in in uh, Mobile. So, this this is the story that comes to mind. We're we're getting ready to the season's ending, and we had the same apartment, uh, and we we had a a security deposit down on the apartment. Uh, I think it was a two or three hundred dollars uh that would be returned only after the place was inspected by the owners uh to see if everything was in ship shape and they wouldn't have to use any of that money on deposit to fix stuff and whatever it was a security deposit so we're getting ready to call up the owners to come up and and walk through the apartment because we were going to be leaving like the next day, I think the season was ending. And so I had been in the army and I learned this trick about shining shoes. If you have the old little, so, you know, cylindrical shoe polish containers made of metal. And if you were down to the end, you could heat it up the end so it would you know you you'd be able to use every last bit of it so anyway i did that and i tripped coming in from the bathroom from the kitchen into the living room and spilled the hot shoe polish on the rug all right i'm saying to myself there goes the 300 right off the bat then we're never going to get it back so with that in mind i called up the manager's children and the manager of the team was john mcnamara and we became pretty close friends they lived at the same apartment complex and got to know he and his wife or plus he's the manager of the team and got to know his kids and i had his kids come up and put a towel over the stain on the rug and gave the kids a deck of cards and they were playing cards sitting on the towel hiding the stain on the rug as the manager of the apartment was going through checking to see if everything was all right. What a great story. <laughs> and uh, sure enough, he gave, checked everything off and, you know, give us the 300 back. And meanwhile, the kids are sitting on a big stain. <laughs> and uh, we left the next day and I never heard anything one way or the other that, you know, they, so we, that's my um, Sal Bando story. <laughs> That's a great one. Well, yeah. let, let, let me ask you one more question before I let you go. Uh, I looked it up, and it looked like uh, you and Phil Necro were uh, started uh, with the Milwaukee Braves the same year. Do, do, do you have a, a Phil Necro story, or do you have a story about anybody, you know, that people would recognize that you remember from the, your Milwaukee Braves? Mm, not really, although uh, they were not – as I mentioned to you earlier that my father was an usher at Fenway park with the Red Sox. But back in the day when the, when the Braves were in Boston 
they had two major league teams in in Boston, like Chicago has the Cubs and the White Sox. The, the Boston had the Red Sox and the Braves. So when the Red Sox were on the road, the ushers from Fenway Park would go over to Braves Field and become the because the Braves were at home, the ushers at at Fenway would become the ushers at at uh, Braves Field. So. And I went to some of those games. I was very young, but still remember Warren Spahn, Eddie Matthews, uh, Del Crandall. Uh, uh, just off the top of my head, but those Joe Adcock. So those names were familiar to me because they were basically already stars before they moved to Milwaukee. So. But I never met it, and then as years went by, I signed with the, with the Milwaukee Braves, but uh, never went to spring training. I went to the instructional league uh, with other minor leaguers, so I never went to a spring training with any of those guys like Spawn and and uh, Eddie Matthews and those types, you know. So I don't have any real, you know, stories about the Braves, the big league club, to say. And and I never, matter of fact, I never even met Phil Necro, you know in my travels, so. Well, uh, it has been a, a wonderful uh, walking down memory lane with you, but uh, I feel like I've pushed this about as far as I can, uh, what I have a tendency to do when I'm talking well, baseball. But uh, is there anything you didn't get to talk about that you wanted to talk about? Well, just the fact that uh, I've enjoyed meeting you. We, we kind of stumbled upon each other a few years ago. I think it was, I think Facebook was, was the... Uh, was the the catalyst for it all and next thing you know where uh you decided to do this type of show and i was on early and i met steve the the round guy and uh and then i looked him up last night on the internet i put a request in for on his facebook page and um and then uh, one thing led to another and here we are again uh and i enjoy i enjoy telling the stories as you can probably tell you know uh, and uh, so I, I just enjoy talking baseball with people that really appreciate it, you know. Well, you're 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 beloved uh, by all the Iowans that listen to this because every time I have you on, there's so many people listen and I hear so many nice comments. And we we've gone to calling you the Joe Namath of the Round Guy Network. Uh, well, anyway, uh, but again, uh, good talking to you, Dave. And give my best to Steve when you talk to him and. Send this, uh, send this uh, audio to, to to Steve too. He can listen in because he might be interested. You know, I'm sure he is, and, and yeah. I definitely will do that. Well, thanks for being with us, uh, Jimmy. Jimmy Driscoll, Oakland A's, Texas Rangers, Cincinnati Reds. He did it all, even a little Milwaukee Braves time. So uh, it was great talking to you, Jimmy. And thanks for being with us. Oh, you're welcome, Dave. And uh, anytime, bud.